Welcome to the SOAR podcast. Thank you for your support. If you want to continue to support this podcast, there are a few things you can do for me. Please like, subscribe, and share. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you would give me a five-star rating. And if you really feel motivated, go ahead and write a review. So welcome to SOAR, the Sisters Overcoming and Rising podcast. I'm Dr. Stephanie, your host, and I'm here to help women overcome limiting beliefs so that they can live their best lives. Sisters come together now, come together now. It's time to help each other out, help each other out. It's time for transformation, time for healing. You've got the potential, you've got the power now. Sisters overcome. Good evening, Tidra. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am great. And I just wanted to say welcome to the SOAR podcast. I'm so happy to be here with you. Same. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm really excited about this topic, lifestyle medicine and intentional joy. And I have so many questions to (laughs) ask you about lifestyle medicine. But I really am genuinely just very interested about it. So I'm happy that we got a chance to get our busy schedules together so that we have time to do this. So I wanted to go ahead and introduce you. Tonight, we have the honor to have a conversation with Dr. Tidra Gilmore on the topic of lifestyle medicine and inspirational joy. And Dr. Tidra is dual board certified in OBGYN and lifestyle medicine. She is a community women's health educator and advocate. For nearly 20 years, she has provided quality surgical and medical care through shared decision-making with her patients. She is one of the lowest C-section rates in the area as a result of her patients and attention to detail. She's originally from Delaware, but Tidra had to overcome adversity at a young age. Although she grew up without her parents, She successfully completed medical school and OBGYN residency with minimal support. As a result, throughout her journey, she developed a passion for helping others become the best version of themselves. Dr. Gilmore is a master of patient education. As a result, Dr. Gilmore's practice, she's seen the impact of chronic diseases on her patients. She continues to see the effect of diet on her patient population and also on her family. Thus, she decided to become certified in lifestyle medicine in 2021. She encourages her patients and family alike to embrace lifestyle medicine principles to become the healthiest version of themselves. So I really appreciate you sharing your bio and sharing so much of yourself in your bio. One of the reasons I thought this was a great topic is because this month, I usually focus on heart health. A lot of the organizations I'm in do a campaign called Pink Goes Red, where we really focus on, we wear red to certain events, and we really focus on heart health because heart disease is the number one killer for women. And sometimes we think it's cancer, it's breast cancer, but it's actually heart disease. 
and it is the number one killer for black women alike. And I just learned this this week. The American Heart Association is doing a campaign for the month of February for black history to really address heart health and mental health for black women. They have some events going on every Saturday. So if you go to the website, you'll be able to find more about that. But heart health and mental health are both real crises for us as black women right now. So I wanted to start off asking you the question that I think many of us want to know, what is lifestyle medicine? Well, it's a great question. And, you know, honestly, it's just what it sounds like. It's taking in like all the things you do. So it's nutrition, it's exercise, it's managing your stress, i.e. mental health, it's avoiding harmful substances, you know, too much of anything is a bad thing, right? So not too much alcohol, no drugs, like avoiding that, getting proper rest, and then managing your relationships, because all of these things have been shown to, to impact health. So if we can manage our lifestyles better, then we can, we can improve our physical and mental health. Yeah, like total picture, total, total package healthcare. And I feel like that when I found out about it, I felt like, oh my God, this is just, to me, I felt like it's like common sense. It's all the things that you should be doing. And I was like, this will change your life. This will legit change your life. So I think if people, more people, if in our community specifically would embrace it, it's, it's really, really good. And, and it's a newer facet of medicine. It just became a board, board uh, certified specialty in 2004, but okay. it just makes so much sense. And to speak, and I don't know if I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but there are tons of studies about, you know, the effect of diet actually changing like heart disease and coronary artery disease and cholesterol to where, you know, it's just so much better. Yeah. So I'll stop there. <laughs> no, all good stuff. You, you never have to stop. If you have something that you want to say and you want to add, I'll feel free. We're here to learn from you. And I was glad that you said that about it being fairly new because I thought it was fairly new, but then I thought, well, maybe I just hadn't heard of it. And so I was really curious because it seemed like originally, you know, I've been a doctor for over 25 years now, we were trained to incorporate lifestyle stuff in our practice. But now that medicine has evolved in such a way that you have five, 10 minutes with your patients, it's almost impossible to do. So what is the difference between, you know, lifestyle medicine as its own entity and what we were really trained to do as physicians in terms of addressing lifestyle with our patients. I feel like for me, you know, cause for me, I guess I'm about maybe five years behind you cause this may is 20 years for me, which is hard to believe. Right. It seems like just yesterday, but I feel like, you know, they kind of quickly skimmed over nutrition and medical. I feel like it was like, a four-week course, a six-week six week course. and But this is like the basis for everything. Meanwhile, we studied pharmacology like forever, right? Like it was so annoying, but good. And and I feel like if we, if we can have the time to educate the patients in terms of what they need to do, 
that's where all of the joy comes from, you know, because then the patients will feel better and their numbers will be better and their blood pressure will be better and their cholesterol numbers will be better and their heart risk will be lower if we can focus on like the lifestyle changes. I mean, you know, because I feel like now we're as Americans just generalizing a little bit and even more so as African-Americans, right. Or people of color, I feel like we're just chronically stressed. We're sleep deprived, you know, we're grab and go because we're always so busy doing the next thing. Right. You know, and I feel like now people just aren't doing the things as a community that, you know, people did so many years ago. I forget. I feel like it was somewhere like in the Philippines where like they studied this community where when the disease came in, it was because the families weren't like doing the gardening and the working and the cooking Mm. like like they used to do. And it's like, okay, this is kind of what we need to get back to. So I feel like with, with lifestyle medicine and, and what they really emphasize with that is food is medicine, right? So if we eat a whole food plant-based diet, the majority of the time, then, then your blood pressure is going to be lower. Your cholesterol is going to be lower. Um, you know, you can actually like reverse high blood pressure and diabetes and cholesterol and, and heart disease, like some of these studies are showing. So it's just, you just, and in order to prescribe it, I think to, to get back to that part of the question, you really like sit down with the patient and you talk about the goals because shared decision-making is so huge. You know, I think that's another big part of it. You know, the prescriptions aren't just, okay, eat this whole food plant-based diet. It's like, okay, what are the tools? What do you need to be successful? Like, can we incorporate a nutritionist? You know, can you get to the store? Like, what do you think you can do and how can we make these changes and then follow you to do that in terms of exercise? The guidelines, what we recommend is like at least 30 minutes, most days of the week. And it's like, okay, what can we do? And then just following the patients and and kind of tracking that. Yeah. Um, you, you said a lot and everything that you said was awesome. One of the things that I find really interesting that you said was about community and how, you know, the breakdown of community has caused so many different things. It definitely has increased stress because, you know, when you have more community, you didn't necessarily have as much stress of taking care of the kids and taking care of elderly parents because you had a community to support that. You also had just the the decrease in stress that having that sense of community brings. And now you bring up another point with our eating and how the breakdown of community has affected our ability to do those things that are healthy for us. So I thought that was really interesting. I wanted to go back for a second to heart health and mental health. I definitely see a correlation between the two, but as a lifestyle doctor, I just wanted to pick your brain about what you see as the correlation between heart health and mental health. Oh my goodness. I feel like it's definitely huge and they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, there's definitely a school of thought within lifestyle medicine and, you know, I can't quote the exact study, but the gist of it is mood follows food. So a lot of times if your mood is down and you're not feeling the greatest and you eat 
more sugary things or things that aren't good for you, then you feel bad. And then you, but then it tasted good. So then you eat it and the cycle just kind of continues. Mm -hmm. So I would, the way I kind of see this relating to heart disease. And then we know that that stress in general causes like an inflammatory response in the body. So that's already not bad. And then paired with the bad food and the mood, all of these things are just bad for the heart in general, you know, because it's affecting the blood pressure. It's affecting, you know, the arteries, you know, like with, and I keep saying, you know, but <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely impacting like the, all the saturated fat that's in a lot of like fried foods and things that we tend to like, it's just clogging the arteries. And when we don't feel so great. That's, I know for me personally, I'll just speak for me personally, like just to give it to you straight. Like, it's like, can I just have a cheesesteak with mayo with a lot of mayo, please. And, (laughs) And this is like my comfort thing, or can I just get ice cream and cake? And, and so, you know, when I say this, like, honestly, I wanted to do it because I saw it in my patients. But I also wanted to do it because I saw it in me. Like I see it in my dad. You know, my dad is a diabetic. He's got high blood pressure. He's got high cholesterol. And but my dad will go to the doctor. <laughs> you know, he's not very good at changing his lifestyle, despite like what all of us say. But then I, I noticed myself gaining weight and becoming a pre-diabetic. And I'm like, I need to make a change. Like these might be things that I like, but I gotta work on finding substitutes and I gotta figure out how to make myself healthier because I only get this one life. Right. So it's just like, how can I be the healthiest version of myself and how can I encourage patients to do the same? Absolutely. I'm going to have to remember that food follows mood. And, And it's so true. I mean, a lot of us can identify maybe that we're emotional eaters, but it is that full cycle, right? You feel bad. So then you eat the thing and then it makes you feel worse. And so sometimes you eat more I know you said cheesesteak Krispy Kreme would be mine <laughs> if, if we're just being real here. So in the, in the SOAR circle, I always like to create a safe space for us as Black women to get what we need, what, whatever that might be. And from the perspective of a lifestyle medicine doctor, what message would you like to share with us the sisters that can help us live long, healthy, and peaceful lives. Long, healthy, and peaceful lives. Okay. So what I would say is in terms of food, like we just got to clean up our diet. If it doesn't look like how it originally came, then we just got to work on eating less of that. Really trying to eat the rainbow every day. And, and then we, you got to move like exercise, you know, trying to get in at least 30 minutes, even if you have to break it up, like 30 minutes, most days of the week, it's just so important and, and managing our stress. You know, I was, I was talking to my sister about, you know, how, (laughs) how do we help our children? But because I feel like that's a big source of stress for me, but I was just like, you know, like just managing that and finding your, your inner peace and, and the calm and the Zen and, and not like popping off. 
you know, for lack of better words, because, you know, it's like two snaps up in a circle, like, no, just bring it down. It's okay. It's okay. We're going to work through this. And, and I feel like that's what I do with, with my kids when I have challenges, because, you know, I feel like growing up like grandma, you know, I don't know about y'all's grandma, but my grandma, I better not even say it. She gonna come find me. <laughs> get there, you know. She'd be like, "T, get down here. You better go." You know, like just that's true. Yeah. That is yeah. not good for your heart. That's not good for your yeah. health. You know, like we we just need to to maintain your peace. You got to protect the peace every day. And I think be intentional about your joy. And 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 that's what that part is for me. It's like, no, what's gonna bring me joy? Like today, it was okay, I finished a majority of my charts at work, but the sun was still out. And I was so happy that the sun was still out. I'm going to leave work while the sun's still out so I can walk outside while the sun's still out. And that brought me joy. And I'm like, all right, I'm winning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what you just said was really important because a lot of us did grow up in those households where our nervous system was on high alert. There was a lot of stress there were lots of worries, whether it was financial worries or, you know, living in neighborhoods. I know for me, I grew up in a, you know, a poor neighborhood where there was lots of crime, there was lots of yelling and yeah. And you kind of, you become heightened to that level of stress and kind of start to live in that fight or flight response. I know recently I've been doing, um, monitoring my heart rate variability, which is, supposed to give you information about your stress levels and your your cardiovascular health and all those types of things. And there's there are times where the variability is low, which correlates with high stress. And it's basically looking at your parasympathetic versus your autonomic nervous system or that fight and flight uh, mode. But yeah, I think as Black women, that's one of the biggest things that that we can do is kind of whatever it takes to find ways to modify that stress. Cause some of it, you know, we just grew up that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now this one I'm putting in there because not only are you a lifestyle medicine doctor, you're also OBGYN. And as we're talking about sore and, and black women, one of the things that comes up a lot is that pregnancy is almost like a high risk condition for just black women in general with the, the adverse outcomes with deliveries and why do you, why is that? And then what advice can you give us uh, who are either pregnant or are, we have friends who are pregnant as to how to have a healthy, healthy baby, healthy delivery? Ooh, great question. And definitely not an easy answer, right? You know, I think if we could start preconception, like, mm-hmm that always helps. Unfortunately, like half of all pregnancies are unplanned, but you know, being at a healthier weight and if you have diabetes already, having it under control, if you have high blood pressure already, like having that under control, right? And then I think finding a doctor that that listens, you know, that you feel you can trust and and be connected to, I think is it's just key because What I find is that a lot of our patients, you know, patients that look like me and you, they come in with a lot of apprehension and distrust and just like, 
you know, just like, no, y'all are, y'all are trying to kill me, you know? And it's just like, no, no, I'm really on your side. Like I want what's best for you and the baby, but we have to walk together, you know? And so that's why I'm just really big with like shared decision-making and trying to make sure that like the patients understand the why it's like, you know, I had a patient recently who, you know, she, she had a really, I don't want to say a bad outcome, but she had a preemie, she had a 28 weeker and, and I delivered that baby and she also had really high blood pressure. And then she got pregnant again and I didn't see her in between the the preemie delivery and the new pregnancy. But, you know, when I saw her, her blood pressure was elevated already. And, you know, so I tried to talk to her and her husband about the risk, like, okay, you're, you're at, you're at a higher risk because you're here. And then you've not lost the weight from that pregnancy. And we have a short interval and, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. so it's just like, all of these compounding things. And, you know, I feel like throughout that, that pregnancy, you know, I walked with her and I talked with her and her husband and, you know, there was, you know, one of the things I had offered to them were progesterone injections and they were just kind of like, no, no, no. And I was just like, okay, but progesterone is something that your body normally makes. And they're just like, no, 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 no. We won't do that, but we'll take the blood pressure medicine. Okay. All right. If you'll take the blood pressure medicine and you'll, you'll do X, Y, Z with, with this. Okay, good. But you guys got to understand that every day that you stay pregnant and because this started like 22 weeks, she's still like, you know, she's just getting really, really sick. And I'm like, it, you know, it hurts my heart where, you know, if we could have just started from a healthier place and then I think my big thing after was, what are we going to do about birth control? Because like, this is, pregnancy is really bad. Like you could die from this, you know, unfortunately. I really appreciate you sharing that perspective. It, it definitely fits well into our topic because lifestyle medicine is not just good for us, but it's also good for the babies that you want to bring into this world. And I know a lot of times as women and as mothers, we will do things for our children and for our unborn children that we won't do for ourselves. So that really highlights something that we can do. And it gives us control because a lot of times the narrative and the media makes it seem like there's nothing that we can do. It's totally out of our control. And then obviously we know that there are some institutional issues like racism, but finding a doctor that listens to you, that understands you, and then modifying the things that we can modify is great advice. So the other part of your topic is intentional joy. And you talked about how you found intentional joy today, but I would love for you to talk a little bit more about why you thought that that was so important to pair with, with lifestyle medicine. Oh, you know, because I feel like for me, my story is that in addition to like the challenges that I had as a kid growing up without her parents, you know, I I worked for, for 10 years in a job that didn't make me happy. And it took a lot for me to get out of that. I I mean, I feel like, I don't want to say it was an abusive relationship, but you know, I feel like there was a real trauma and stress and, and things that I went through that I'm like, I don't ever want to be there again. So every day, you know, since I've 
been out of that situation, that job, you know, I'm just like, I got to be intentional about what it is that I'm doing and who I'm becoming consistently. And is this bringing me joy? Like constantly evaluating it because I don't want to look up and lose another 10 years being in a situation that that's not bringing me joy. So it's like every day, you know what, what's going to bring me joy today? What's going to make my heart happy? Am I doing the things that are moving me towards where I want to be? You know, like, uh, and and sometimes it's as simple as, you know what, I'm going to lock the door to the bathroom and I'm going to get in the shower and I'm going to play my music. And this is my time, you know, or I'm going to turn up the radio loud on my way to work. And, and, and that's my joy. And like, what just is going to light up my life. And even in terms of work, you know, like, all right, is this going to make me happy? Like what, what's the thing that would make me happy? Because I feel like when I'm doing that, then I'm on mission with my passion and my purpose. Mm, Absolutely. I have tons of questions. Did you find that or did you get that order you kind of made? Yeah. Oh, Dr. T. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. One of my old patients made it for me. So I was just like, yes. And it matches your sweater. <laughs> Not quite. Not quite. It's more purple, but it's like on camera, it looks like it matches. But yeah. That's beautiful. And what you just said really feeds into what I was going to say next about how empowering it is to own our own narrative. And you shared a little bit about your narrative there, your story with how you came to intentional joy through the experiences that you've had. But I know I read a brief amount of your bio, but I would love for you to just lay out your trajectory, your journey from where you started to how you got to be where you are today. Okay. <laughs> wow. Well, so I I was born in Delaware. My parents were young. They were, I think my mom was like 17. My dad was 18. And I don't even remember living with my mom. I grew up with my dad's parents and my dad, um, what's the song? Papa was a Rolling Stone. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was my father so you know they, they they did what do you call it like uh special occasions they were special occasion parents that would pop up and my grandparents you know and my aunts were around and they were you know stricter and and so I just always felt like I had to be on my p's and q's and darn near perfect because like like <laughs> they're all I got like if I'm like not a good kid then where am I gonna be So, so then, so then fast forward to like high school, one of my mom's brothers was always just like, oh, you know, T, you're, you're a double minority. You need to really look at like STEM and, you know, like you should look at engineering, like, and he was just always in my ear with like, okay, T, this is like what you need to do. You know, he was, he was a person in my ear. And then one of my aunts gave me this book called Think Big. And I think probably like all of us read it at some point and we're just like, oh, oh, I should be a doctor. Yes. You know, it like resonated with me. And I was just, what I knew was I had to figure out how to survive because mm-hmm. I, I just like, I was like, well, like my parents aren't going to give me anything. 
And my grandparents made it very plain. They're just like, it's a problem with young people today. I think everything should be given to them. And I was like, okay, well, not me. I'm like, I would be thankful for whatever you gave me. Okay, my mom. So, so I was just like, okay, you know, I was just like, I got to do my thing. So like in high school, I actually ninth grade, like summer before ninth grade, I got a job. I worked at McDonald's. I worked like every weekend through high school. And then I think in 11th grade, cause I was really scared. I was like, how am I going to have money to go to college? I got another job. I worked. It was it was wow. America back then. I was a telemarketer Monday through Thursday. And then I worked at McDonald's on the weekend because I was like, I'm getting out of here. Like, I don't know where I'm yeah. going. I'm going somewhere. So so that was that. And then like I thankfully was blessed with like a full ride to college. So I didn't have to worry about it. And like I just saved the money. So then in college I didn't have to work and I was just not about the business of anything besides getting the grades because I was like, if I lose a scholarship, I'm screwed. Like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do the grind. And then when it was time to, to do applications for medical school, I didn't realize that was expensive. So then I got another job. I worked at LensCrafters so I could, <laughs> do, I worked in the lab at LensCrafters so I could afford to do the med school interviews and all that stuff just because like grandparents were like, we got you the 18 girlfriend. Like you're, yeah. you know, like you can come back on the breaks, but no money. So I was like, okay, like I, I'm going to figure wow. it out. And then I was like, I guess my backup plan, like if it didn't work out, I was like, people have careers at LensCrafters. So <laughs> <laughs> I can stay, right? I'll figure it out. But, but then thankfully I got into medical school and I was just like, okay, P equals MD, like keep going. And, and so that's what I did. And then after medical school and residency, and that was, that was hard. You know, I feel like there's no other way to say it aside from just like hard. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, hard and traumatic. That was stressful. <laughs> but, but, but then I, I, I had a job. My first job out of, out of residency was in South Carolina and I, I knew shortly after starting that job that it wasn't the right job. And I like, there were just so many things, but then my job in Florida that I took after that job, I felt like, I don't know. I was just so happy because I lived in Florida and the sun was shining, not realizing that I was still working like a resident. And I did that for mm-hmm. 10 years and like, I loved it. And I gave everything, you know, I've, I'm like always all in, like I can't halfway do anything but, but then I feel like that started to change when I had kids, you know? So, so I feel like that was the thing. And I feel like if I only had two kids, I may still be in Florida, but my second pregnancy was twins. And that just threw me for a whole loop. You know, I wasn't ready. And I really realized that I needed to cut back. And I think my older son was probably about he was probably about six at the time, but he just like made this joke and he was just like, mom, you're here. I didn't think you were here. Like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you're still at the hospital. You're never here. And I was like, that is not how I want to be remembered. Thank you very much, son. I want to be like the person who's around. So it just really made me start to reevaluate everything. And I'm like, this isn't how I want to live. Mm-hmm. So then I just, I discovered coaching and then was like, I just don't, I wanted to be closer to my family again. And so hence the move back to Maryland from Florida. Wow. There's definitely a book in there, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, 
And yeah, but thank you. Thank you for just being so transparent and so real because you're not the only one who has had struggles who may have never ever spoken about them before. And you just being able to just share gives other people courage to know that they're not alone and that they can share also. So really thank you for that. Sure. I, when I think about, you know, lifestyle and I think about myself and I think about other people I know, and I think about my patients, one of the things that comes up is I don't have time, you know, that there's just not enough time. It feels like to do all of those things, to do the grocery shopping, to do the meal prepping, to do the exercising, it all requires time. So (laughs) I know that that is, you know, not true, but that there is time and we make time for things that are important. But what, what do you tell people when they tell you they don't have time? <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you know, I say I feel like you have to to look for for gaps because for me, I looked for the gap like in my day where it would be least impacting like family and and that sort of thing. And I'm not a morning person, so like I'm not going to wake up at five. Like I just have to stop telling myself that lie, especially in Maryland because it's cold here. Like who wants to wake up when it's cold? I'll wake up at five in Florida and go work out with a friend, but coming out of my house at five here. So I'll walk like at lunchtime that that'll be a lot of my exercise. And then, you know, I'll try to do the elliptical and, and I just encourage patients, like, even if it's 10 minutes, right? Like if you can do three 10 minute sessions, you can find 10 Mm -hmm. minutes, you know, make it manageable park further away. You know, if, your kid has like a practice, you know, if they're doing like basketball or something, go for a walk, like use that time to be active and figure out how you can just move more, like get a, um, get a smartwatch or something to, what do you call it? A Fitbit to track, mm-hmm. your steps. you know, have a step goal, you know, get a buddy, you know, keep each other accountable because I feel like that's really helpful. And I mean, even in terms of like, shopping. I, I I bought myself a meal planner and I keep a running app with like what I need. And sometimes we go to the store in person. Sometimes we do like Instacart, but just mm-hmm. to keep the things coming in. And I try to like schedule time to do some meal prep on like it's Sundays for me, but you know, other people do like Saturday or whatever, but I just try to, to do that and have in my mind, like, okay, this is what we're going to do so that so that it goes smoother, you know, like I, I prepped for like two days and then I'm like, okay, today I'm going to make a soup and I'm going to throw it all in the crock pot and it'll cook overnight. And then tomorrow it'll be like, you know, it'll be good, but just trying to plan ahead because you know what they say about early. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking the early bird catches the worm, but that, that's not the way, <laughs> that's not the way you were thinking of. Uh, right. Yeah. Planning, planning is essential. I found that is essential for me. The other thing that I have questions about is that in this country, a lot of our food is so unhealthy. The soil is depleted of nutrients in some places, or it contains parabens, pesticides, growth hormones. You talked before about as a community, we used to maybe grow food together. So aside from doing that, what 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 do we do about this food? Because I feel like sometimes the food itself is making us fat, <laughs> and frustrated, you know? 
I think the, the foggy part is the brain fog from the addictive nature of the sweets and the sugar and the foods that we eat. But what do you say for that? Oh, that's definitely hard and a challenge. So I say, you know, um, in terms of like growing food and what you eat and things that you buy that are packaged. Oh, look, Crock-Pot is a lifesaver. I could see that one. <laughs> but I think we we just have to be, try to eat food in, in the most natural state that you can. And definitely it takes time. You know, for me with, with working on my sweet tooth, you know, I've been like a grape addict. Like grapes are my new likes. I'm like, oh my God, these grapes are so sweet. Like it makes me really happy. And, I, you know, I'm working on the sugar addiction, but, but before I get to that, I'm like, all right, well, I try to buy organic if I can. And then, you know, grapes are part of like the dirty dozen in terms of how, you know, there could just be pesticides and things on the outside. So I like to soak that stuff, like the grapes and the strawberries, because I do like them, grapes, strawberries, mm-hmm. blueberries. I like to soak them in apple cider vinegar, you know, for um, that's supposed to help, you know, like the apples I try to scrub um, before I eat just like with soap and water and then I eat, you know, it, it makes me feel like I'm doing something that's a little bit better. And then honestly, like get yourself some beans. I mean, I think we really just need to change how we think about food, right? Because, you know, I told you about my cheesesteak and my ice cream and cake, but don't eat that crap. That's not what we should be eating, friends. Don't do that, okay? Like, let's get some beans and some quinoa and buy the beans in the bag as opposed to the can. And if you have to get the beans in the can, run that stuff through the strainer, just like you put pasta in a strainer, like run it through the strainer. And like veggies, I would say, get them frozen as opposed to in a can, if you can. Like, so so that's my thing. Just, you know, like eat the rainbow. And, and I, like, if I could even share, like, I'm doing this challenge now where I'm trying to eat a very low fat, whole food, plant-based diet, which is crazy. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm just like, I just keep trying to challenge myself with like, okay, well, what can I do to get to like this healthier person? And it's a two week challenge for me, but you know what? In two weeks, it produces more results than making smaller changes. So I feel like for me, if I can do this and make those changes, then it's proven to me just what is possible because if other people have done it, then surely I can do it and I can show up for myself for two weeks. So that's what I'm doing. I'm like, show up for yourself, girl. You got this. You can do it. Just stay encouraged. Like, you know, and we all can do that. You know, I feel like part of the joy is like figuring out how to be your own cheerleader too. Mm-hmm. You know, because unfortunately it's not going to be, you know, like that person coming to cheer you on doesn't usually come, right? You know, in the middle of the night or when you get home from work after a long day, it's like, you got to tell yourself, no, like I'm, I'm going to stay the course and I got these goals for my blood pressure. I got these goals for, you know, my diabetes and, you know, my high cholesterol, like this is how we make the change. I love what you just said. And you just shared a pearl of wisdom that I didn't know about soaking the fruit and apple cider vinegar to try to get rid of some of the pesticides. I think that that is a great suggestion and I'm going to start doing that now, but I'm sure there are other like pearls and things that, you know, as a lifestyle doctor with your training that the rest of us don't know. So 
if you can think of like when you were going through your training, something that you learned that was like news to you, you were like, whoa, I would love for you to share something that we might not be aware of that you weren't aware of. Mm, I feel like there are so many things. Well, I mean, it's, it's just like so good. I mean, I think first of all, that this is even a thing like the lifestyle medicine, but just how it's all really multifactorial. And, and I feel like, and I see it now and I'm sure you probably do too, but when patients come in and they complain of things, there was a statistic and I, and I just found it on like one of my cards, these are like my little study cards, but 70% of primary care provider visits aren't even really about like whatever the medical problem is. It's about stress and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I, I totally believe it. I think I saw that statistic somewhere as well. So yeah, stress and lifestyle, 70% of primary care visits. Wow. Right? Yeah. Like that's just crazy. And when you're stressed and overwhelmed, then you're less likely to do things that are healthy for you. You know, you don't want to move, you don't want to exercise, you don't want to eat healthy. And then you don't want to do that. But if you did do that, you know, if you did exercise or you did eat better, then you're, you would be releasing like the endorphins to feel better, but we just stay stuck in, in the mud. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your secrets with us. And we didn't even have to come for a visit and we got it. (laughs) That's the benefit of being part of the circle. But if someone did want to work with you or have some one-on-one time with you or just follow along, how would they do that? Ooh, so you could do a couple of things. You could send me a DM if that's a thing on Facebook or Instagram. You could email me at uh, tidra at intentionaljoymd. Those are the big things. I, I don't quite have my website up, although I have the domain. So it's coming. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm working on these things. These are like Tidra 3.0 because right now I'm just on Tidra 2.0, but 3.0 is coming real soon. Okay. Well, yeah. we're looking, looking forward to 3.0. I feel like there was something else you wanted to say. Oh, yeah. I think the other thing that I wanted to say that I thought was really interesting is just in terms of the diet, you know, because we talked about nutrition a a, a little bit. But the other big thing when we talk about like what to eat and what to focus on, because I kind of said, you know, like get yourself some rice or quinoa and beans, but like think of it in terms of like four food groups, forget all the food pyramids and things that we've learned before, but four things like fruits, vegetables, grains, and legumes. Like try to put that on your plate every day, every meal, if you can, and make your snacks whole foods, right? Like don't get chips, don't get whatever else you might want. Get some grapes, get some spinach, you know, get some tomatoes, get some grape tomatoes, you know, get things that are just more whole foods. And I think that would be much better than anything you could buy in a bag. So I have a question. Okay. You named four food groups and there's no meat in any of them. So I don't know if you heard about that, you know, eat according to your blood type thing. But when I did that, 
my blood type says that I need meat. <laughs> so I just, is meat allowed? Can you have it like a couple days a week? Where, where does meat fall into this whole thing? So meat isn't plant-based, <laughs> but, but, you know, I think, I think if you can do more days than not of the plant-based, like have your meat, or if you're going to have your meat, have more of the lean cuts, you know, like chicken, turkey, fish type thing, as opposed to like your beefs or porks or those sorts of things. Okay. Pockets and all that ribs. Okay. Yeah. You just accent a lot of good food right there with all the things you're saying. And I mean, honestly, I think we just need to keep it simple. Keep it simple because we be doing too much. Like, guess what I found out? Like, here's another thing. I mean, you asked for tips, but in, in what I'm doing, I never in my entire life would have thought that you could saute something with anything other than an oil. Hmm. Yes. So in my class they talked about getting the temperature of the pan really hot. You could use water to saute. I was like, water, mm-hmm. interesting. You could use vegetable broth, like low sodium, of course, because we got to wash the salt. You could make your own vegetable broth. And then I even used, I even used like apple cider vinegar to saute my vegetables. It's like, and this tastes pretty darn wow. good. I was pleasantly surprised, so... Okay. No, that is, that is a great tip. I definitely learned some really good things about lifestyle medicine and yeah, I guess I'm going to have to not a lot of, and replace that with some legumes and other things. Okay. You, you've given me a lot to think about here. <laughs> Just Cause you know, when the beans are really cheap, the beans, the rice, the quinoa, it's, it's, you know, but don't you have to soak them when you buy them in the bag? Don't you have to soak them and cook them for a long time? Some of them you do have to soak overnight, but some you don't. Like lentils, you don't have to soak overnight, but like black beans, you do. So so some of them you do, and it is like a little bit of planning. But at Wegmans, they sell some frozen beans. So when, I'm, when I told you about that soup I'm going to make, like I'm putting frozen black eyed peas in there and then frozen vegetables and the veggie broth and like some seasoning. And I'm like, oh. I'm so excited. It's going to be so good. <laughs> that does sound good. Well, thank you, Tidra, for spending this time. And I am very inspired by you and by everything that you've done. And you're definitely making and creating that quality time with your kids. You're making healthy food for them. So I can really see the shift that you've made. And just thank you for all of the knowledge that you've shared. Uh, well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. All right. I'll see you next time. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to this episode of SOAR. If you'd like to reach me for coaching, you can reach me at www.stephaniebrowncoaching.com. And if you want to follow SOAR, you can follow Sisters Overcoming and Rising on Instagram or Stephanie Brown Coaching on Facebook. Goodbye for now.